Welcome to CYC Podcast, Discussions on Child and Youth Care. I'm Wolfgang Vashon. In late November 2021, I was part of a panel discussion about child and youth care graduate school programs, part of which you're going to hear today. The discussion was split into two sections. The first hour focused on faculty from the four graduate schools represented, and the second hour was with students enrolled or who had graduated from those programs. The faculty presenters were Natasha Blanchard-Cohen from Concordia University's Graduate Diploma in Youth Work, Graham Mafit from the University of Strathclyde's MSc in Child and Youth Care Studies, Alison Gerlach from the University of Victoria's Master's and PhD programs in Child, Youth, Family and Community Studies, and Julian Hasford from the university formerly known as Ryerson, presented on the university's master's degree in child and youth care. We only recorded the faculty presentations. This was done to allow student presenters to speak freely about their educational experiences, both good and not so great, although most spoke quite positively about their experiences. Student presenters included Crystal Harrison, Carolyn Moore, Emily Hellard, myself, and Juanita Steven. If you'd like to see a video of the presentation, as opposed to this audio recording, you can go to cycnet.org. I will put links for all of the programs in the show notes at cycpodcast.org if you would like to learn more about the programs. The recording begins with the moderator, Mark Littlefield, doing the land acknowledgement. I am in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia, as it is known today. I am lucky enough that I have an office in my backyard and I'm a gardener. And so when I come to think about my land acknowledgement, I really enjoy being in my space, but this space really doesn't belong to me. And this space is something that we have to find a way to open a dialogue and talk about how this land has come in to my ownership and how others in our area have located their own homes on this land, which belonged, belongs to the Stolo people, people of the river who speak Hokumalem. The Stolo people is a collection of a number of communities along the river that have been here and been connected to the land, um, collected wild carrots, onions, traded with the the, um, folks on the interior um, for different elements for their families. We have the way that the Sumath people who predominantly are in this area that I'm physically located in um, would have a kilometer long open area for families to come together and live together. And those are some experiences that I like to learn more about and understand how that can, I can learn from that and how I can bring that to the work that I do with young people that are coming in through child and youth care. Because I feel like there's a very close connection between the way Indigenous peoples look at family and look at place and the way that I feel I do and I feel like I bring into the classroom. So I just ask you to hold for a moment the land that you're located on And just if you could for just 30 seconds and just if you you lower your gaze or close your eyes and imagine when you're walking outside in a natural place and hold that space and be thankful for those that looked after that place before 
we colonize this place that we call Turtle Island. And just hold that for a moment and wonder and be curious about how we build a way forward together that honors all of the peoples of Turtle Island and that negotiated space. Today we have some people coming together around this whole idea of learning and traveling further into our discipline and what we would call graduate work, or I would say deepening the relationship that we have with child and youth care. We have people from across the country that have joined us to be curious about uh, the programs that are offered. So we have uh, Natasha Blanchard Cohen from Concordia. We have uh, Graham McFeet from Strathclyde. We have Alison Gerlich from the University of Victoria and Julian Hasford, who is at X University, uh, formerly Ryerson. Those are faculty presenters. They will be starting off today. They have seven minutes to share their program and um, convince you guys to come and come to their location and either virtually or in person and join them for a journey into graduate child and youth care work. And then in the second part, the second hour, we have from Concordia, Crystal Harrison, Strathclyde, Caroline Moore, the University of Victoria, who has the PhD and the master's program, we have Emily Hellard and Wolfgang. And then uh, from X University, we have uh, Juanita Stephen. Um, so we're going to spend this time together. Uh, the faculty are going to present first. They're going to talk about the program, and then we'll open it up for questions. And then we'll move into the second stage with students. The first stage will be recorded, and then we'll be put up on the CYC net for folks to be able to see and see where that goes. The second part, we wanted to create an opportunity for students to really talk about their experiences. And so you can situate yourself with that how you wish. Without further ado, I think we can go to Natasha to um, take the seven minutes. And so Natasha, over to you. Okay. So hi, everybody. Um, it's wonderful to be on this call and to see some familiar faces. Um, so I'm calling from the unceded territories of the Gangahaga and Gaujaga, also known as Montreal, where Concordia University is located. And I'll be talking a little bit about the graduate diploma in youth work. Um, just to situate myself, I've been in the department for the last 11 years. Um, so I've seen the growth and the birth of this program in 2014. So we've been running this program for the last six years. And you will hear from uh, Crystal Harrison, a wonderful student after uh, about her perspective, but I'm just gonna give you a bit of a basis of what this program is about and how it came into being. Um, so first of all, our diploma is located in the Applied Human Science Department. Um, where we offer a BA in human relations that has a youth and family concentration. Um, so there is no BA in child and youth care per se in Quebec. Um, there are some child and youth studies programs at the CEGEP level in the Quebec context. Um, our program grew out of a need from the Anglophone community for graduate level more, um, more expertise in, in youth and child and youth work. Um, and um, Concordia was chosen as a university to build this program because of our long association with child welfare and our connection with the YMCAs. 
Um, it's important to recognize, I, I think it's, you're going to hear this from different speakers today, but the situation within each of the provinces in Canada are quite unique. And in the context of Quebec, uh, there's an evolving licensing context, uh, including Bill 21, which came in a few years ago, which uh, makes it a certain reality within which we operate. So our program is really focused on educating youth workers in an applied approach that integrates community youth development with clinical understanding. So some just focus more on community youth development and others more on clinical youth perspectives. We framed it in terms of certain principles. We talk about emancipatory practices in child and youth care, and also in the context of Quebec, we refer to psychoeducation approaches. Our focus is a lot on establishing facilitative relationships using collaborative strength-based approaches. And our focus is really on training students in advanced intervention skills and innovative, ethical, and reflexive approaches. This program attracts both EA students who are just continuing from their undergraduate and leading to their diploma, but also uh, people who have been in the frontline work for several years. So generally your cohort is mixed. There's people who've got a lot of experience in practice and some are coming in more directly from the university. Um, so that makes it, I think, really exciting. Because if I had to say what is unique about our program, and I think Krista will tell you more about that shortly, it's a very applied approach. Uh, we are from the applied department, so there's a lot of experiential focus going into the community, bringing community members in the classroom. Uh, we're a very small size cohort. We accept between 15 and 20 students, so there's about 50% acceptance rate. So you really, really get to know your peers. And I think that learning aspect is really critical. And I'm sure Krista will talk about that later on. Another aspect that I think is important is in terms of the multidisciplinary team and faculty that the program brings together. Just to give you a sense, um, we are all very active in very different fields, very active research areas. So Varda Manfeder, who's just published a book on doing ethics in child and youth care. Myself, who is co-chair of the Quebec Research Chair in Quebec, and Elizabeth Fast, uh, who does research around land-based pedagogy and who teaches individual and small group. Patty Ranahan, who teaches around mental health literacy, and an incoming scholar, Arwiji Jolie Wigena, uh, who's joining us uh, in January. In terms of where do people end up, um, I think our internship sites reflect pretty much where people end up. I would say about 40% end up in working in child protection, hospitals, or sort of the, the clinical settings. Um, other people end up working in schools, juvenile justice, some of them, community organizations, uh, quite a lot and a few work in research and policy. The way the program works, it can be done within 11 months. It is 11 courses if you are a full-time student. So you have courses only in the fall semester. In the winter semester, you start your internship program at the same time you're doing some courses. And your internship is full time in the spring and the summer, and it depends of your setting when your internship will be completed. So you do 320 or 420 hours of internship that is supervised by a faculty person.
I was thinking, you know, what do you need to succeed? I think given the cohort feeling and the lots of attention that's given by faculty, um, I think generally students uh, succeed uh, really well. Um, because many, they know that they're at the right place. I mean, the application process requires you to write a letter of intent to get your references. Um, you're coming in because you love working with youth. Um, you need to be open to learning, uh, engaging in critical thinking. I think we often say at the beginning when students start, like this is gonna be messy, messy. it's gonna be challenging. And I think that's something that you need to be ready to, that sometimes at the undergraduate level, people are not uh, as experienced with that type of learning, not knowing all the answers. And it's not like the professors are gonna give you the answers, you're gonna discover the answers and we're gonna discover them together. And I think it's a lot about being comfortable uh, navigating across theory and practice. So I'm gonna leave it at that. And I'm sure that Crystal will give you a lot of concrete examples of what it's meant for her being part of our program and what she is doing right now that's exciting and how we've supported her in that journey. So thank you very much for giving me a short time to present some of the exciting work in the program that we've been building for the last few years with my colleagues at Concordia. Thank you, Natasha. For those folks that are wondering about questions, what we're gonna do is go through each one of the programs first. So write down your questions on a piece of paper. Once we finished all the presentations, we can open it up and you can either put it in the chat or you can uh, ask the question by putting up your hand. So we're gonna move on to the next program. We're gonna go all the way across that big puddle called uh, the Atlantic. And we're gonna have Graham uh, come and join us and talk about uh, Strathclyde. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for inviting us along. Well, I was gonna say nice to see everybody today. Also, all I can see just now is a, a list of names, but it was nice to see the people at the beginning and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get a conversation going on. So my name is, is Graeme McPhee. I'm based at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, and I'm here to talk about our MSc in Child and Youth Care Studies. So it's an MSc that is by distance learning. So uh, unfortunately, anybody that thought of, this was a conversation about how you get a trip to Scotland, uh, not as part of your studies. Fortunately, although you're more than welcome uh, to come and visit us. We've been running our distance learning programme now since 2014. We had a pilot year in 2013, and then we've been recruiting students uh, since 2014. We are based in the School of Social Work and Social Policy uh, within the Faculty of Humanities and Social Science at the, the University of Strathclyde. Our, our programme grew out of, we have an MSc in Advanced Residential Childcare uh, in Scotland, which is a hugely successful programme. It's actually celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. It started in 2001, and it has generated a, a, a really positive reputation, which led us to start to get lots of international inquiries for that. But unfortunately, we couldn't accept international students that because that's an, that's an in-person programme and it's a part-time programme, so uh, you can't get a international a student visas for that. So, so this programme grew out of the, the residential childcare programme uh, and we've been running since uh, 2014, as I say now. If you come and start, and I've, I've taken as my, my brief today and the, 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 the information when, when Mark and 
uh, Wolfgang and Heather were setting this up, kind of one of the briefs I got was, right, talk for seven minutes, but talk about what's not on the website, which was actually quite interesting because it prompted me to think, well, actually, what is on our, our, our website and, and what might you not gather from the info, information there? So we are, we're quite a small team in terms of you come and study with us. There's kind of, kind of really five people that you interact with. Two of us are here today. There's myself uh, and, and Heather Snell. Uh, Heather's a based just outside Toronto and at the, at the time we started Heather was was based at, at Humber College but has, has since uh, moved on from there. We've got uh, Laura Steckley who's, who's based in Glasgow here with me uh, although she's American which means I'm very outnumbered when it comes to accents on the on the program because the other two staff members Aurora De Monte and Rebecca Stiller who are both based in, in Canada uh, and are both actually graduates of the program so uh, started as, as students uh, achieved the MSc and have now been teaching on the program this is going into the to the third year so a, a, a range of different voices but as I say I'm, I'm kind of outnumbered when it comes to, to, to accents. Our, our program, but obviously it's completely distance, it's completely distance learning. Uh, the, that offers a flexibility in terms of people's uh, ability to study with us. They don't have to, to move, they don't have to, to stop working. And indeed, actually being in practice is a requirement of being accepted into the program. This isn't a this isn't a programme for people who are, but I'll sometimes get emails of interest from people asking, uh, I'm interested in moving into child and youth care. This isn't the programme for that because you need to be uh, in practice in the first instance. And so this isn't, this is, it's not about introducing students to practice, it's about prompting students to reflect on their, their practice role, their, their practice setting to reflect on how, how, they, how they do practice in a sense. So, our programme runs for either two or three years. It is part-time. Uh, two years is the quickest that you can do. And you've got an option to either study over two years or, or do in three years. And, and the main difference would be if you take the three-year option, you, you save your, your research project, your dissertation until the third year. You can do that alongside your classes uh, in, in, in second year. So it's, it's aimed very much, it's designed very much with uh, practitioners in mind. What I would say is that I, I think that the kind of one of the biggest strengths of our program is the mix and diversity of students that we have because it's distance learning. We we do literally recruit students from uh, from around the world. So when you when you join class for the, for the weekly sessions and uh, so up until a couple of years ago we were using Adobe Connect where like many parts of the world we're, we're now using uh, Zoom, but it pretty much adds up to the to the same experience. And when you come along to those those weekly live sessions, what you can expect to do is interact with students literally from around the, the, the globe. And just to give you a kind of sense of what that might look and, and, and feel like, Canada and the UK are, are far and away uh, our two kind of biggest student populations. But since we've been running in 2014, with students from Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Nigeria, Madagascar, Morocco, Greenland, Cyprus, South Africa, Singapore, Rwanda and Germany, and as we just listen the, the the countries where students are physically based, I could I could provide another list of countries of the nationality of students, but who are not not now in their home country, uh, and and are based somewhere else. So I was thinking of one of the biggest strengths of the program is allowing students who would ordinarily not have the the, the chance to to meet and interact. 
But to, to do that, to, to come together as, a, as an international learning community, thanks, Mark, uh, uh, over a, a two or three year period, meet regularly, uh, interact with each other and learn from each other, swapping experiences, swapping different different perspectives. And, and some of the, the most significant learning that happens on the programme is not necessarily from teacher to student, but is from student to student in terms of that, that international uh, and, and diverse nature of the, of the cohort. So again, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pause there, and and like our previous speaker, uh, when when Caroline uh, speaks later, there may be some things that I've mentioned that she touches on, but she may offer her own perspective as well. But I'll pause there just now. So thanks, Mark. Thank you, Graham. So we're going to lift off from from Scotland. We're going to travel all over the Atlantic, hit Turtle Island, and then travel all the way over to Turtle Island to the other ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and across the little uh, strait that we have with the ferry that goes from the mainland to the island. And then we're gonna land in Victoria, a beautiful place. Um, and uh, Alison is gonna share with us uh, what you could, what's offered at the University of Victoria for you as you land in that wonderfully um, warm and zone nine as a gardener, that's important. So hi everybody, it's great to be here. I'm Alison Gerlach. Um, I am always humbled and privileged to work on the Quinnipan lands and the lands of the Esquimalt and Saanich peoples who have been stewards for that land for thousands of years. And so I'm just got a few slides that I'm gonna to talk to. Uh, many of you may know about our program. We have really well-established bachelor's, master's and doctoral programs in child and youth care. And currently we have 10 research faculty uh, three teaching faculty who don't teach in our grad program, and we're currently posting for a new uh, faculty position as well. My presentation is going to be a little bit different because we are actually, we've paused both of our graduate programs uh, this academic year, and we are undergoing a substantial review and renewal of both of those programs. So what I'm going to do today is just to share some new and exciting news about the proposed changes, primarily to our MA program. We haven't, we focused primarily on that first. Um, the changes are going through Senate this Friday and Board of Governors in February, and we will relaunch admissions to our, our brand new program um, in, uh, in, in, in mid-February. So origi uh, originally our MA program was launched uh, 20 years ago, um, and this is the first substantive renewal that we've undertaken. Uh, the changes are currently being presented to the Senate, as I mentioned, and the renewal really involved extensive faculty input consultation over the course of several years, a 2018 external review and extensive consultations last year uh, with faculty, alumni, adjuncts and students who have been working in the field for several years, graduates. One of the big changes um, to our program is that we're proposing to uh, change the name of our program to Child, our graduate program, to Child, Youth, Family and Community Studies. Uh, we feel this name more accurately reflects the scope of our program, the expertise of our faculty, and the type of research and practice undertaken by our students. It recognizes that our program situates the well-being of children and youth as being inextricable from their families and communities. And we also perceive the inclusion of families and communities in our program name as being more responsive to the needs of Indigenous students and aligned with our program renewal mandate that promotes the inclusion of BIPOC communities 
and the principles of the TRC and UVIC's Indigenous plan. Um, our planned MA program uh, changes integrate school values with a commitment to addressing the most pressing issues, complex issues, increasingly complex it seems, facing children, youth, families and communities today. If approved, uh, the new program will draw on decolonial, critical and justice oriented theoretical frameworks. So as some of you have mentioned already, we're really supporting uh, grads in their critical analytical field uh, uh, thinking to th uh, think through the complexities of the social issues that we are currently facing. Um, through our research and consultation process, the research faculty have collaborated on the co-development of five key program outcome level uh, program level outcomes to help ensure a really cohesive and comprehensive framework. And to achieve the five program outcomes, students will be required to take seven core courses that includes an advanced practicum and to complete a thesis, a research thesis or a project. Self-identified Indigenous students can choose to replace two core courses with Indigenous-specific courses to really support Indigenous leadership through this program. We feel that these new courses and our revised program uh, respond more deeply to the historical and systemic contexts that inform decolonial, critical, and justice-oriented praxis, leadership, and research, the children, youth, families, and communities. In order to increase the diversity of our student cohort, increase access to our program and build on lessons learned during the pandemic, we will shift our program from an on-campus to a primarily online uh, format with two advanced practice courses offered as an intensive on-campus summer institute. Uh, we anticipate that this will enable students who have caregiving and or work responsibilities in their home communities to undertake graduate studies, um, as Graham mentioned, while staying and contributing um, to their families and home communities. We're also in, hoping to increase our intake each year uh, from around 10 to 15 up to 15 to 20. So in terms of thinking about what, what students need to consider to successfully complete this program, as you can see, our program explicitly aims to attend to issues of social justice and equity and draws on relevant critical perspectives. So that's, that's a kind of a, what you can expect coming into our program. Prior to entering the program, uh, we are now asking students to typically have three years of relevant experience. It can be paid, it can be voluntary, it can be gained uh, during other um, undergraduate work, because we really want strong linkages <laughs> between practice and, and uh, graduate um, coursework. Given that our program requires the completion of a research project or thesis, students also need to have an interest in and ideally have topics that are interested in researching. Research doesn't have to involve human participants. Research can also involve textual analysis, indigenous story work, and other forms of non-human research. In our program, work towards a research project or thesis will begin in the first semester of coursework, and students will be supported um, from there on by their supervisors. Um, so each student will have a supervisor, um, with whom they'll have a, an ongoing working relationship. Um, I think the only other advice I've got to share is that I think we all, students included, need to think about how we balance the energy that we give to our programs and that we expect from our grads. Many of our grads are working, uh, raising families, looking after uh, family members um, and in doing important work as they take their graduate journey. We're very mindful of that. 
um, and um, hope we, that we can support students to really uh, feel that they're uh, taken care of um, during their graduate time in our program. Um, Emily is going to be joining the panel to talk about our MA program. Wolfgang can speak to our previous doctoral program. We'll be re looking at that and revising that in the next uh, semester. I think that was a lot of information. So thank you for this time. Really welcome your questions later. We're going to pick up from the Vancouver Island on the Pacific. We're going to travel back over onto the mainland and across the provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And we're going to land in Ontario and Toronto uh, along the great shorelines of the Great Lakes. And, um, and we're going to be uh, with X University at this point and Julian. So Julian, welcome and uh, over to you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. And thanks for uh, the invitation and opportunity to be here. As folks uh, know, my name is Julian Hasford. I am an assistant professor at X University in the School of CYC. I sits on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, uh, the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabe. Um, and as folks likely know, our school is currently coming to terms with uh, issues of the colonial history and legacy um, of Ryerson, uh, Egerton Ryerson, who is known as the, uh, one of the founders or architects of the residential school system, and thus the university is currently considering uh, undergoing a name change process um, driven by activism of uh, Indigenous um, students primarily. Um, so our graduate program is currently entering its sixth year. So it's a relatively new program. Uh, each year, the cohort consists of somewhere around 20 to 25 students, um, mostly full-time, but some part-time. Um, it is a one-year program, which does present some challenges that I, I may speak to if there's time. Um, I think broadly speaking, you know, the aims of our program are really, they've been evolving, right? And they're changing, and I'll speak to how those changes are unfolding. Um, but I think it's safe to say that broadly speaking, uh, the goals of the program are really to help produce or facilitate um, intellectual and professional leadership in the school, in this field, as well as uh, excellence in terms of therapeutic practice. Um, and the way that looks is currently our school has, uh, is implementing sort of a two-streamed process. So students who enter can either choose to specialize in research and policy stream or in our therapeutic stream. Um, because we've realized over the years that many students do come in with one particular passion or the other, um, and it can be quite difficult to really provide intensive training and, and you know, support for students across those somewhat um, uh, distinct areas. So now students have the opportunity to choose. Um, within our research and policy stream, uh, we see this as a way to, um, in a sense, contribute towards expanding the scope of practice of, of CYC. Um, of course, we know its history within relational practice and more clinical or therapeutic you know, modalities, um, but we see CYC as an evolving and expanding field which um, incorporates and integrates research and policy as part of those fundamental areas of practice where CYC competencies can be effective and addressing some of the broader macro area issues that, uh, that we face in our field. And so some of these transitions and areas that I'll speak about, I think, parallel in some ways what's happening at UVic, um, particularly since we are centering uh, issues of equity and decolonization as we undergo these, these reforms. 
Um, so within the research and policy stream, there is a research course as well as a, a policy and management course. Um, and uh, you know, one of the objectives for the research course is really to help students understand how research is not necessarily distinct from practice. Um, it is also to understand how research itself is a modality for engaging young people, both relationally and in terms of critical um, structural types of work. Um, and so we really emphasize that in terms of our course content and the, the, the projects we encourage students to take on. Um, and then we also, of course, embed a, a critical uh, focus on anti-racism, anti-oppression and decolonial perspectives. Um, then, and students who are within our research stream, they have to take that, that policy course and then they complete a major research paper, typically the bulk of which is done uh, within the summer semester. Um, within our therapeutic stream, we, um, so most of the students who enter the program, I'd say about 70%, 75% are more interested in the therapeutic stream. Um, students will take a number of therapeutic courses. Uh, this year, we are implementing for the first time a certificate in uh, therapeutic practice, which consists of a series of six intensive workshops over the winter semester. Um, and then students will complete a 450 hour placement. Um, that those elements, the workshop plus the placement, as well as a practicum, a supervised practicum course, um, go towards, can help those students who are interested in becoming registered with our College of Social Service Workers. Um, those hours can be used towards their registration. Um, so within Ontario, as many other provinces, uh, CYC is not a self-regulated profession, but we've had some negotiations with the College of uh, Social Service Workers, which is creating some kind of mechanism for students to get their hours and their expertise recognized for potential registration within a, a youth work or a child and youth work um, kind of specialization. Um, so those are the two mainstreams in our graduate program. And as I mentioned again, so our school is really prioritizing issues of equity um, and critical practice and anti-oppressive practice uh, within CYC uh, with a specific focus on issues of anti-Black racism and decolonization and, and indigeneity. Um, we, and we also have some strength around issues of gender and sexuality. And you know, in particular around the issue of anti-Black racism, uh, we have, are currently launching a, a very intensive uh, curriculum review and reform process. This is being done in partnership with the Child and Youth Care Alliance for Race Equity. Juanita Steven, who's one of our graduates, is uh, leading that. She was the founder of the uh, CARE Network. Um, and we are doing an intensive curriculum review of our undergraduate and graduate programs um, around the issue of anti-Black racism, uh, which seeks to identify how anti-Black racism is being taught or isn't being taught within the program. What are some of the competencies, uh, strengths, and gaps in terms of our instruction, both amongst full-time faculty and contract lecturers with respect to teaching around ABR, as well as understanding students' experiences of learning uh, around ABR. So I think one of the strengths of our program uh, for students who might be interested in pursuing it as it's evolving will be uh, around looking specifically at issues of, of uh, equity and ABR. Uh, we have a number of faculty members, you know, four of our 10 faculty members are Black and all of whom have very strong research and teaching programs around anti-Black racism, as well as two Indigenous faculty who specialize around decolonization and indigenization. Um, and we are continuing to be intentional uh, through our ongoing hiring process to build our capacity for uh, uh, training students within those contexts. One of the questions that we might uh, be curious about is, as programs, 
there's an intention on offering students an opportunity for growth and development. So um, at the end of your program, what would you hope that a student would be saying or have experienced in your program? What would be the difference for them? Where would they be at the end of your program? I'm happy to offer a, a, a first answer, Mark, if that's okay. I would hope that at the end of our programme that the students have, have felt challenged and, and view them view them themselves and, the, and their practice role differently to how how they did previously. Uh, and I think our, our programme attempts to have uh, a, a continual focus on critical self-reflection and, and critical reflection in relation to the, the, the agency and the place of the agency within wider systems. And to think about the role that they can both play kind of personally and professionally, but then also some of the bigger, more kind of systemic issues. And, and some of this goes beyond their organisations, obviously. Some of this is about uh, how society functions and, and the role of our sector then in terms of challenge, especially kind of challenging social injustice and, and thinking about how how they individually and organisations can, can play a part in ultimately delivering better care experiences for, for children and youth and their families in whatever context our students come into contact with them. I'm happy to, to jump in if that's okay. Um, I think similar to what Graham's saying is that I think we, we acknowledge the students coming to our program have important knowledge and skills already that they're bringing to our program and to their learning experience. And that what we're hoping is that through the program that they really, we support them in further building on their critical awareness and their knowledge and their skills in order to deal with some complex social issues um, in their particular community or, or populations that they're working with. So it's really, I think, a reciprocal learning process uh, where we can learn from students about the issues that they're facing in communities and that we also then provide the skills that are highly responsive and that they can tailor for those particular problems going forwards. So we're really looking at advanced, I think, leadership skills, policy analysis skills. I loved what I think it was you, Julian, said about research, about research isn't about uh, maybe traditional views of research, but bringing it to life in order to engage with communities and to do research that benefits communities that they are directing, that they've identified a need for, not that have been identified in the ivory tower of the university. So I think those are some of the things that come to mind. I would echo, you know, not necessarily add a whole lot to what's been said, but I do think, and I, I noticed there's a question in the chat about this, is I think an expectation or a hope for our program is that students who do complete it again uh, will be positioned to continue and to assume intellectual um, leadership within our field. Um, and that can include preparing them for, you know, further graduate studies, uh, sort of continuing to, continue to do a PhD, their scholarship, right? So being engaged in the conversations we're having as a field about the work. And then of course, uh, our advocacy. Right and and how we can look at shifting policy practice, you know, clarifying the various diverse ways in which folks can enter and engage with CYC uh, across multiple communities and, and positionalities. Thanks, Julian. 
Natasha, did you have something? Yeah, I would just, I mean, I think totally, I mean, it's, it's really interesting actually hearing about the reflections across the country, because I think we're somehow going a little bit in the similar directions, <laughs> uh, different rhythms. I would say being change agents, um, that they kind of are equipped, um, perhaps with many more questions, because we're not giving them all the answers, but I think they feel more confident um, in terms of being change agents in whatever settings that they're in, they're going to end up working. Um, so, yeah, and I think you're going to see that with some of our students and what we see them doing after with our program. So, Julian, there's a, a chat question, which is, uh, you mentioned some specific challenges with the one-year program. What are these? Because it's a one-year program, it's fairly intense. I'm not certain exactly how the course load directly compares, say, to other programs. Um, but I do know that students who are full-time within our program, many of whom are also working and who are mature students and have families and so forth, uh, do find that the demands can be quite intense. And so, you know, the reading levels are quite, you know, challenging, the nature of the assignments, um, the placements, the expectations for various placements can also be quite intensive. Um, and that's also part of the reason why we created these two streams, you know, in addition to address those really intensive demands. Part of the challenge as well is often when you're doing a two-year master's, it really gives you an opportunity to develop, to take time to develop certain foundational skills um, for graduate level study. Uh, as folks may know, when you're doing graduate studies, we are reading and thinking in a different way. I'm engaging critically with material from a more theoretical type of lens. And there's a certain degree of uh, sort of scholarly literacy that is expected or that would be, you know, hope to be nurtured over time. Often in many graduate programs, you have two years to sort of take that on and ease into it. Um, whereas we try to engage with this within a one year time frame, which can be quite challenging for folks, especially those who've been out of post-secondary school for a period of time and are just returning to school. It can be quite hard to, to play catch up. That's not to say that students aren't successful through the program. Um, you know, certainly they are and, and, and they definitely manage. But all that is to say that if folks are thinking about uh, pursuing graduate school in general, particularly one year intensive programs, that you anticipate the, um, the demands can be quite extensive. And we, sometimes folks will need to think about how, you know, we'll manage work-life balance, um, what that might mean for other types of employment or other commitments in terms of managing it. We do have a two-year part-time option, which is available to folks. The number of positions within our two-year program are uh, quite limited. So, Thanks, Julian. Tom has a question. Can college advanced diploma placement hours be applied to university-level practicum hours depending on VLO covered? I'm not sure what VLO means. Maybe others might know that. Vocational uh, learning outcomes. I think generally not in, in our context, we can't include uh, for the university, you can't double count hours generally. And that would also, that would also be a no for us because we, we don't do placements in the census that's been asked here because all our students be, being a, being a, 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 a full-time practitioner is a, is a requirement of being on, being on the, the, the program so that in a sense kind of a substitutes for for placement so there would be no kind of placement hours to swap in in the Strathclyde model and I would I would sense that uh, probably we're all in the, you're all in the same boat where 
basically, um, even though we're in COVID pre-COVID, we still couldn't double dip when we went to uh, uh, parties. And that's what we're talking about when we talk mm -hmm. about um, education is you can't double dip. So you have to uh, do new learning and um, look at that learning through a new lens, which is a graduate program. Uh, there's another question that says after each of your pro each of the programs that uh, you've talked about, uh, are you prepared credentials to immediately apply to a PhD program? You would be within the Strathclyde program. The an MS the MSc that we offer would provide graduates with the, the platform to prepare a, a PhD application if they if they wished, Mark. Okay. And Alison, you answered that in the chat, but did you want to say it out loud too? Yeah, the, the redesign, we wanted to ensure that, um, that we designed it in a way that would support advanced practitioners, but also people that wanted to go on to doctoral studies as well. And in our program, even though we don't have a thesis per se, the major research paper is somewhat functioning in lieu of that. And we have a number of students who've graduated a program who are pursuing PhDs in a variety of disciplines, including social work and gender studies, uh, amongst others. And in our case, because we're a diploma, they would be missing some credits. We have seen some students who have gone straight to a PhD if they have another rich background to complement the diploma. And this one's specific to you, Graham. You talked about the research project dis dissertation, and you mentioned that if a student takes the program in three years instead of two, they can do it the research during the last year instead of at the same time as courses. I'm not sure where the question is in that. Well, I've actually responded to that a couple oh, okay. of down, Mark. Probably the only thing I would add that, uh, and it sounds like we're similar to, to some of the other programs that are being spoken about here as well, that because our, our program is aimed at, at practitioners, it's very much keep in mind that practitioners are already juggling life and work. And then if we're asking them to bring study into the mix, it becomes a, a more complicated juggle. So our, our program is very much designed that they, they take, and I'm aware that terminology can be different. So I'm going to talk about modules, but sometimes the Canadian students may talk about classes, but we they, they take, whether we call them modules or classes, they, they take one at a time. We don't ask them to be to be juggling sides. Students who choose to take the two-year route, they, they do the second year classes alongside their, their dissertation, their research project, but the vast majority of our students choose to take the three-year route and keep it, keep it separated out, but we offer that as an option, but uh, I think it was when, when, especially when I found myself nodding along when, when Julian was speaking and also Alison just talking about the the demands that many of the students have and 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 being mindful of that and, and trying to devise a, a, a route and a programme that, that allows them to manage that and we, we try to support them with that. All right, thanks, Graham. So we're winding down the time. We have a couple of minutes left. And I just wanted to thank uh, you all for coming today and for presenting on your programs. The folks that are um, visiting today and learning about uh, the programs that you offered, um, can they reach out to you uh, with specific questions uh, that they may have after they we finish? Yeah, good. A couple people with their hands up um, okay. that didn't get a chance to ask their questions. So I just wondered if we could we could get to those before we wrap up this section, if you're cool with that. Okay, go for it, Wolfgang. Oh, go ahead, Victoria. Uh, hi, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to know, this is kind of for all of you guys, because I know that there's a lot of 
growth and adaptation recently within these programs. And I was wondering like how you kind of envision the future of child and youth care within graduate studies or beyond that. Just a, a light, easy question. <laughs> yeah, very quick. Child and youth care in the world <laughs> and the way we're going to get students ready. <laughs> Who wants to handle that one? I, well, I'm happy to offer an answer first, Victoria. The, the, and, and this probably comes to mind because uh, last week uh, I was on campus for graduations, uh, which was, uh, which interesting, was the first time I'd set foot on campus for 20 months, which was a really interesting experience uh, and quite emotional in some ways being back on campus for, for graduation. And one of the taglines that uh, our university uses, universities, all universities have taglines, don't they? Ours refers to itself as the place of useful learning. And I, I, I think especially for our child and youth care program, it's, it, it's got to be more than useful. It's, it's got to be based in the real world and it's got to speak to our students, our practitioners about their their real world experiences. And, and the, I can't remember somebody else mentioned about the almost avoiding the ivory tower syndrome. And, and the minute I think child and youth care education becomes divorced from the reality of practice, becomes divorced from the reality of the, the lived experience of kind of children and families and communities that we're trying to support, then it does beg the question, what is the point of children, child and youth care education? So I think for me, our future has got to make sure that we continue to be absolutely useful and relevant to, to practitioners and, and the families and communities that they're working with. I mean, I, I think it's a great question. Um, I think we as departments also need to be change agents within the different contexts within which we operate. Um, that's def definitely the case um, in Quebec uh, where we have to um, navigate different realities uh, which are different than in BC or in Toronto and the way that programs are actually accepted and approved. Um, so I, I think we're heading in the right direction. <laughs> Would we want to move on to the last question and then move into the next stage? Is that okay for folks? No more hands up. Thanks again for coming and presenting on your programs. The, the one part that I really felt um, as you were presenting your programs is the humanistic lens that you put on this relational process of engaging with the learners as they journey into their experience of of developing their practice and their place within the world of practice. So sounds like a really exciting time for graduate learning in child and youth care or across the country and way over or across on the other side of the pond uh, that we call the Atlantic. Mm -hmm.